really great things. So, you know, listeners, if you don't like your mother-in-law or your father-in-law, that's okay. You can still show love towards them and you can so love them. Yeah, love isn't always emotion. Emotion's important, but love is what you do as well. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. All right, back at the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast, produced by Love, Joy, and Todd. I'm happy to be here, Brian. Yeah, this is great. Hey, everyone, thanks for joining us. We're really excited. We're about, um, we're just over halfway through our first season. We really appreciate all of you that are listening. It's been fun watching people from as far as Guatemala and Norway checking out the podcast. Shout out to you guys. Thank you so much. Shout out to Ireland, too. Absolutely. We love the Irish. Uh, we've got this new opportunity, though, for you, and we're really excited about this. Um, we've got an opportunity, a way for you to actually interact with the podcast and be a part of what we're doing. Yeah, I can't wait for it, too. So go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. There's a button that says Speak Pipe, and you can record any comments that you have about the podcast. You can ask us questions, and we'd love to feature you on an upcoming episode. It's actually Send Voicemail. We really appreciate you being a part of this podcast. It's for you. We're here to help on marriages, and we love that you guys are enjoying it and listening to us. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast service you use. That really helps get the message out about the podcast, as of course you know, people will learn about us and we can really reach more people and share what's going on. But especially with that speak pipe, please send us messages. We really love to hear from you, hear your comments, hear your questions. This podcast is for you. This originated from the book we wrote, but we really want to talk to you and answer questions and respond to thoughts that you're having. And with your permission, we can put you on the podcast, the recording that you put there. We can have you as part of that so we could interact with you in that way. And now we're going to jump into the topic for this one, because this is a week after Valentine's Day. So the week before Valentine's Day, we talked about sex. And now we're going to talk. Of course we did. Of course. Um, Valentine's Day, there's sex, hopefully, um, in marriage. And oh, then dear. Jen's already blushing. My, yes, win for me. Shout, shout out to my Irish roots again with my blushing. And then, but we want to also talk about the definition of love. What is love? Mm -hmm. And if you're our age already in your head, you've got an SNL sketch and two guys dancing stupidly next to the bar singing, what is love? Kind of got that head action going. (laughs) Idea of love gets really confusing. And if you've been in the church for any length of time, you've heard these ideas about love being used in different ways and different Greek words of love. But it really means different things in different contexts. So, so sweetheart, as we're thinking about this, what are some of the different things you think of the word love being used? Yeah, it's just used in a myriad of different ways. So you love this pizza dish. Mm. We're going to be doing a trip to Chicago with the kids in a bit and Chicago deep dish style. I think everybody loves that. Uh, You love your pets. You love your family. You love your work colleagues. The whole, I love you, man. 
we, you know, we think that Joseph, when he was the no, Pharaoh's number two, you know, he and his brothers got drunk, and it seems like that's when he revealed who he was. So that was the first "I love you, man" probably in recording history. Well, I think he actually might. I mean, they were actually brothers, so I don't think it's the "I love you, man" where it's like I'm going to say this, but I'm afraid of intimacy because it's two guys who are afraid of intimacy. Of course, we love God. We we love our our spouses. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of things that that are in there, but it, it, it's a very nebulous word, at least in English. Yeah, it's like, okay, I love this. Well, what do you really mean? It means so many things, it's not very descriptive, yet it's the only word we can use to translate some of the things. Something else that makes love really confusing is we feel it differently. I mean, two mm-hmm. people loving each other, the way you love your spouse is different from the way your spouse loves you, the way they experience that they feel those things. We can talk about like physiological commonalities about pupils dilating, um, heart rate going up and things mm-hmm. like that. But the experience is so particular to an individual because what they think about, their past, all of that changes. So, when I say to Jen, I love you and I'm experiencing love, well, sweetheart, you don't really know what that is because you can't experience what I'm experiencing. Right. I, I've got an idea of it and an idea of how I would feel love towards you as my husband. But again, it gets confusing. And then, of course, I mentioned there's different Greek words. And if you want to do a word study on that, it's kind of fun for Bible nerds like me. But don't overdo it because even when you look at the Bible, using the different Greek words, the Bible writers aren't as strict about those dictionary definitions of the Greek words of love as the dictionary is. So, sometimes one word may be used to mean more facets. I mean, we've got the phileo love is the brotherly love, city of Philadelphia. Um, But the way that's used, even the Bible sometimes, it's not as concrete as, well, this is just like brotherly or friendship love. It can mean different things. Spouses can even phileo love each other, and they should, but it gets a little confusing. So, don't don't go too far down the rabbit hole because you can over-define it, but it's definitely something that when translating the Bible and trying to figure things out is interesting and different. Just to kind of get to the intent, but don't overthink it. And it it's, was a fluid language then, so we have to allow for the fluidity. Another thing is just mass media and how we experience culturally what the cultural idea of love is. And that's going to get you into a lot of trouble, right? If you're relying on the media to, to give you these pictures of love. Yeah, love is big business. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking of, I mean, we, we just got out of Valentine's Day and the literally the Monday or Tuesday after Valentine's Day, you go to the grocery store and all of a sudden all the candy is 50% off because candy isn't as valuable on the day after Valentine's Day as it is the day before Valentine's Day because well, of how it's marketed. Yeah, at least the ones with the hearts on it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Cho- chocolate hearts are no longer valuable. And then, of course, um, we live in the Midwest, and so we get two Valentine's Days because the candy companies decided we needed another Valentine's Day in October called Sweetest Day, which is the same as Valentine's Day, only it's in October. But it's marketed. Marketed, just love is big business marketing, yes. or even weddings. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Oh, goodness. I, I have a client who works for The Knot in New York, and it is huge, huge business. I'm going to call out Jen a little bit here because it's Uh-oh. funny. Even our daughter, who's 16 and 
at this point isn't interested in marriage. She wants to be a writer, never get married, kind of do her own thing. Yet every time we go by the wedding dress store downtown, they're pointing out which wedding dress is the best wedding dress. Oh, it's a, it's a critique every time. And she wants to drive past this uh, fancy bridal salon and, you know, which which is the best dressed out of the three. And it's like, ooh, do we agree on this or not? Even going X three or four extra stoplights to get home just so they can drive by this dress instead of going through the neighborhood and getting home faster. But why not? <laughs> and then TV shows, movies, I mean, all this stuff the way they depict love just isn't real, but we can't help but think that's the way it ought to be. Oh, sure. Like the, the that recent movie that, that came out and you've got Jennifer Lopez and uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. There you go. Where she's this rock star celebrity, really pop star. And it's like, I'm going to marry this guy who's the fan in the audience. It's like, who does that? Right. And, you know, how, how does that work out? And TV shows, different sitcoms, what does love look like, how it's presented. And one of the things when we were doing research on the book, I was looking at how love has been depicted in literature, in English literature. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I was researching, trying to understand this idea. And what's funny, and if you think about this, think of all the great love stories in the movies you watch, the TV shows you watch. Since the Middle Ages and earlier, the idea of unpermitted love has been viewed as like the purer love. So going back, it it makes for good drama. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a more entertaining story. It's not real. It's unhealthy. But look at Guinevere and Lancelot, King Mm -hmm. Arthur. Guinevere's married to King Arthur. That's the way it should be. But all the stories indicate that really her true love, the correct love, the guy she should have been with is Lancelot. Mm -hmm. And then even Romeo and Juliet picks up on that where, no, they can't be together because of these cultural differences. And that's a little bit more acceptable because like their parents are keeping them away. But it's still this idea of love that cannot be permitted for whatever reason. That is the love that has something separating them is the pure, better love. And I mean, it's just more dramatic. No one wants to see. It's Our story is a wonderful story. I mean, really, we've had a wonderful life together. We met young, but there was never anything keeping us apart. Mm -hmm. And so while our love story is awesome for us and to share with our children and our friends and family, no one's going to make a movie about how we met, fell in love, and got married. That's true. There's no drama in the sense Mm -hmm. of, oh my gosh, is it going to happen? It was dramatic and romantic for us, but people watching is just like looking at us giving googly eyes back and forth to each other madly in love, and it's not as entertaining, just kind of, ew, gross, guys, just get go get married and get on with it. That's very funny. So, But something else that I want to talk about before we get into really defining love um, is the idea that sex is not love. Oh, and that's, I think, a really big thing, and we have the biblical account of that that comes in as well. You've got Jacob and Leah And she was very adamant about, oh my goodness, I've given him sons, now he will love me. And they were clearly having sex so that she was having children, but he never really loved her and had that kind of attachment to her. And and that's just kind of a sad thing. It's really sad for Leah. Leah really, you got to feel bad for her in that story. She gets foisted off on Jacob. Maybe she wanted to marry Jacob, maybe she didn't, who knows. The story doesn't say. But the fact is, Jacob didn't want to marry her. 
Yeah. And so she's... And, and was tricked into it. He was kind of a trickster in how he had handled things when he was younger, dealing with his dad, and then he gets tricked later yeah, into marrying tricked. her. And Leah's just kind of like a pawn. The reason I want to bring that up is so many times we watch these, especially TV shows, the love interests that go mm-hmm. on for seasons and seasons, and it's like, okay, that moment they have sex, that's when the love is real. That's okay, finally... The audience has been waiting for this. Yeah, and everyone's, I mean, it's this internal, yay, but that's not what love is. Well, no. We're conditioned to this based on the stories that we tell ourselves or we entertain ourselves with on television. So that's confusing. Mm -hmm. We have different ideas about it. So let's really dig into what love is really in the idea of marriage. Well, I think too, you know, youth pastors, parents, you got to be conveying this, not just as a teenagers don't have sex. We want to elaborate on why that is and in purposes for sex being with inside marriage. Yeah, absolutely. I think that communicating to our teenagers and young adults and even single adults who are pursuing romantic interests understanding what love is because we all want to be loved. Mm -hmm. We all want to feel loved. That's ingrained in us, but we need to know what love is and what it isn't. And I'd say that just as we flesh things out more in the book to define love, the three big things that we're going to continue to talk about today is it's an emotion, it's an attitude, and it's also an action. Yeah. And I really want to hit this emotion thing real quick. So a lot of times I've heard in different sermons and different commentaries and different people talking about, well, love is a verb. Um, it, it's, it's an action. It's not an emotion. Um, emotions can't be commanded, and we are commanded to love in the Bible. And all that's true, but we are emotional people created by God with emotion to be emotional people. And mm-hmm. it's part of the image of God. When you read through Scripture, you see God feels emotion. That doesn't mean he acts improperly on emotion like we do, but he still feels emotion. You know, there is an emotional aspect to God, Mm -hmm. and that's part of us. And so, to try to say that there is no emotional experience of love is not true, and the Bible even celebrates emotional love in the Song of Solomon. It certainly does. And also for those of you who are thinking about, well, when does God express emotion and when does that that happen, you do see him interacting with Moses where it seems like he's processing emotions with a human friend, which is just really cool and amazing that he would reach down and do that. Yeah. Or even Jesus. I mean, we look at Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. That wasn't play acting. It wasn't, okay, I'm going to show tears so I look more human. So these, Mm -hmm. no, he wept over the loss of his friend. Yes. He cries out over Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I would cover you like a mother hen of chicks if you would just come to me. He's sad. He experiences emotion. Jesus was fully human, fully divine. Emotion is all a part of that, and you should feel the emotion of love in your marriage. A thriving marriage, you feel excitement, you feel intensity, you feel romance. It's an important part of how we interact with each other as spouses. You can't get rid of emotion and still call it love. Oh, that's exactly it. And you were even talking about just kind of jumping into love as an emotion. 
Right. And so love is an emotion. We feel love. It processes through our limbic system. We feel it in the Song of Solomon talks about it. But then also there are things about love that can be commanded. And so we talk about love as an emotion. Love is an attitude. Your attitude should reflect love. And what that is, is the desire to want what is best for someone else. An attitude of love is wanting what's best for the other. Without any kind of a personal benefit to yourself. Exactly. It's it's self-sacrificing. It's mm-hmm. you're important. Your needs are important. Jonathan and David, I think, is probably the best story of that. The Bible says that they loved each other more than a man loves a woman, and that is not something homosexual. That's the, a love of two men who are friends, who are caring for each other. And it's in the first Samuel. I encourage you to read all of first Samuel, or at least all of the parts with David, at one fell swoop to really get the full picture of this. But to summarize, David was brought into the court of Saul. Saul has been at this point rejected by God as king. David is going to be king, but Saul is still king. Jonathan is Saul's son, right? And then Saul gets ticked so mad that he tries to kill David. And Jonathan defies his father, the king of Israel, and helps David escape. And Saul gets so mad at Jonathan, he tries to kill his own son. Mm -hmm. But that was the closeness, the level of relation, the attitude that Jonathan had toward David. I'm willing to risk my life for you. My attitude is I want what's best for you. And we need to have that attitude in our marriage as well. And I like the idea of love being a defiance because love expressed in that kind of way is defying others that would not want the best for the person that that you would love and have that attitude towards. And I think you really teased out in a very positive way what Jonathan was facing and his father, because we've heard things about the Queen Elizabeth II in England right now, yeah. where it's like, hey, you know what, you're going to be meeting my grandma, you know, mm-hmm. one of the princes, yeah. you're going to be being my grandma and you've got a bow to my grandma. But wait a second, it's it's your grandma, but no, she's the queen. Right. So you got to be really understanding of what that is. And also you've got Saul who instead of being more of a figurehead, you know, he is the king that has absolutely control that that could really be a negative dictatorship if used in that kind of way. So the stakes were really high for Jonathan and he really could have, and it would have been more to his benefit to just not say anything, not try to be protective of David and not help him. So he's really a hero in that story. Yeah, Jonathan, if it weren't for David, Jonathan would have been king next. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was effectively getting rid of his own job being the leader of the country. But he wanted what God wanted, and he wanted his friend to fulfill what God had for his friend. And they even agreed. Jonathan said, hey, I'll I'll be number two to you. Right. He loved David. That's and, it. And that's the thing. Emotions, even in marriage, they ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't feel the same passion every moment for each other. You're not going to feel the same passion for your spouse in every moment. Emotions ebb and flow, but attitude is a choice. You choose what you're going to think about your spouse, about your friends, about whoever it is in this context, your spouse, you choose that. So only you can choose your attitude towards your spouse and you are 100% responsible for your attitude. We talk about that a lot with 
airmen as we're trying to help them mature into leaders. It's like, whatever's going on around you, your attitude is 100% your responsibility. As your leader, as your supervisor, I cannot control your attitude. Hopefully, I'm creating an environment that will make it easier to have a good attitude. But at the end of the day, your attitude is 100% on you. Your attitude towards your spouse is not what they did if they burnt the dinner or they came home late from work again and again and again, or they undermined you in front of the children. That does not determine your attitude. Your choice determines your attitude. Now, healthy relationships will address those things and won't do those things. But at the end of the day, you've got to choose I want what's best for you. Yes. This hurt me. Let's discuss it. But I still want what's best for you. And I'm not going to take that away. Mm-hmm. And then action, you know? Yes. So in the 90s, if you were in youth group, you knew DC talk. Matter of fact, when I was, oh, writing, boy. <laughs> I was writing the outline for this, and I was thinking the DC talk song. Haven't you heard? Love is a verb. Get down with the DC. And everyone who is oh, not youth group in the nineties right is like, I just lost all of you. <laughs> but I was even listening to DC Talk on YouTube when I was writing this outline. After I thought of this, but really, when you look it up, love is a verb. And so, okay, English major, love is a verb. What does that mean? Yeah, and. Honestly, this is my favorite thing about love being a verb because this is where it we're commanded to love. But I think it's more difficult to command emotion. You know how 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 you can't could do God it. Yeah. exactly? You're not going to be successful and do that. Just you know on the spot, love this person. Well, I might not feel the warm and fuzzies towards somebody right away, but I can do what I can do to look out for them and want what's best for them and help them out. And I I think that that's a really great thing. So, you know, listeners, if you don't like your mother-in-law or your father-in-law, that's okay. You can still show love towards them and you can so love them. Yeah, love isn't always emotion. Emotion's important, but love is what you do as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm thinking now to Schoolhouse Rock when we were doing homeschool with our son and the verb tells you what the noun does. You That's know, it's, it. It's the thing. It's either a state of being or an action and love is active. It's an action. And some of the ideas that I see in this, if you go to the book of Hosea in the Bible, and if you're not familiar, this is a crazy, crazy story. Hosea is this prophet of God and his wife, had the unfortunate name of Gomer. Now, maybe that was a like the the Jennifer of ancient Israel, but to me, Gomer sounds like a kind of odd name, and I don't remember what it means in Hebrew, so you can go look that up if you want. It's Homer Simpson's twin sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Hosea is married to Gomer, who's a prostitute, and she consistently plies her trade after they're married. And she's off with other guys, and she leaves him, and she she has kids with him, and then goes off with other guys again. And it's just, I can't imagine how horrible Hosea must have been feeling in all of this. And then God says, here's um, Hosea 3.1, the Lord said to me, this is Hosea writing, the Lord said to me, Go show love to your wife again. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that's a sexual thing right there. I don't think so. I think that there was probably aspects of that, but it was go show love. Your wife. Be loving. Yeah, be loving in spite of the portrayal. And the whole point of this, if you read the book of Isaiah, or Hosea rather, is 
this is a symbol of what Israel constantly was doing to God. And let's be honest, it's a symbol of what we constantly do to God too. That's the truth. When we mm-hmm. just reject Him and sin and are selfish, mm-hmm. even in our marriages, when we don't live the way God calls us to, we don't treat our spouse the way we should. But the point of this is love is an action. God said to Hosea, go love your wife mm-hmm. who's betrayed you time and time again. And I don't know what his emotion was or even what his attitude was, but he could go show love, even if it was hard for him. And I'd imagine it was. Well, I imagine he was not feeling loving towards his wife that keeps betraying him and sleeping around with other dudes and making money off of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, this this is worse than finding out that your your wife has an OnlyFans account and she's showing things off on the internet. This is actually going out there and being a prostitute, flaunting it. Everyone in town knew she was a prostitute. And, and he was the laughing stock, I'm sure. Absolutely. John 3.16. So this is the New English translation. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I use this translation specifically. You may have memorized this verse, for God so loved the world. And when that was originally translated that way, people understood it. Thus, God thus loved the world. So, but we... um so many times here, God so loved the world as God loved the world so much. So much. Yeah. So, but that's not the word, the intent in the original Greek when John wrote it. It's this is how, mm-hmm. this is the action. God loved the world by giving his son. That's beautiful. That's what love is. Love is emotion, love is an attitude, and love's an action. And two of those you have 100% control over. You know, action and attitude. I cannot force you to do anything, but we're commanded to love. And then even emotion, though, you have control over that too. You have control because what are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're thinking about your spouse, are you thinking about all the good things or are you thinking about the frustrations? Are you thinking about the dishes piling up in the sink? And the dishwasher could be emptied. Phil, sorry, sweetheart. I should probably do the dishes. Oh, I did them this morning. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. What you think about has a huge impact on how you feel. Yeah. It, um, a, a lady that I know who's a, a therapist, she'll say what you think about, you bring about. So, no, you're not going to manifest wings and fly if you think as such. But just looking at the concept of how, how am I going to be thinking about this individual and my actions are going to flow from there. Yeah. And so, we've got to think those thoughts about each other. Mm -hmm. And then the emotions will follow. They even talk in missionary classes and evangelism classes. They talk about finding something to pray for. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many people all of a sudden have this heart for and are giving money and traveling to other countries because they've been praying for the people there. All of a sudden, their heart breaks because they're thinking about those people constantly. Mm -hmm. Praying for your spouse is a huge way to actively love your spouse. It's an action. It's an attitude. You're praying for the good things, but it's also going to change how you feel too. So when you're not feeling particularly loving, right there, real quick, pray. That's a litmus test right there. And I, I just encourage everyone, guys, what can you do today to be more loving towards your spouse? What can you be praying for your spouse today? What what are they dealing with? And what are some challenges and obstacles that they're facing? And what can you celebrate in their victories together? So 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you for joining us on the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. 
We want to be a part of God's plan for marriages to thrive around the world, and you can help us do that by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on whatever service you use. As an added bonus, if you subscribe or review, you'll be entered into a drawing for a free copy of our book, Operation Thriving Marriage. You'll get an additional entry into the drawing if you share your thoughts on social media about the podcast with the hashtag Operation Thriving Marriage. Hey friends, we appreciate you joining us and we're so excited about this new feature on our website, which is called SpeakPipe. You can go to our website, operationthrivingmarriage.com, hit the send voicemail button and you can give us feedback on our episodes. You can ask us questions and with your permission, we'd be happy to feature your recording on a future podcast episode. Thanks for joining us, friends, and we can't wait to hear from you.